Welcome to You Might Hate This Book, where each episode one of us will recommend a book to the other. A book that we love that we suspect our co-host might hate. Well, hate is a strong word. How about falls outside of their traditional scope of interest. Fine, that's fair. A book they would never have chosen to read otherwise. We'll read the assigned book, then come back together to discuss. Did you love it? Or did you hate it? So you agree we might hate it. (sighs) Yeah, you might hate it. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Hannah. And you might hate this book. We mentioned off air last week that um, I was going to, like, bring up some kind of pop culture something to you every week to oh, yes. to vamp. Well, I forgot to do that, but... <laughs> okay, great. I, I bring it up only to say that we're not going to do that. Uh, off to a, a really great start there. <laughs> but I did look up 88 random questions to ask somebody. So I have a random question to ask you okay, to get cool. us started. I like answering questions. What is the funniest way you have ever broken the law? Maybe this is a terrible question for you because you're such a weird man. (laughs) Well, I can pick a different question if you've never broken the law. I speed. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) I don't know what I I thought that question would be funny for me. I mean, as a teacher, I break copyright laws all the time. (gasps) Um, 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 um. You're not supposed to do that. No, I know. As a public school teacher, I, I don't do it now because I have access to the things I need. <laughs> um, What's it like having access to the things you need? It's great. Not it's, like being a public school it's teacher. It's lovely. <laughs> that, there's that. Okay. You don't break Neither the law. Neither of those are funny, though. No, you don't break the law. I'm going to go with a different question. But, you know, that does bring up something. I So, speeding, um, we were having dinner at my family's house, and my sister was there, and, and my nephew, Henry... And she asked my mom, who often watches him, do you know why he, lately when he's in the car, he just says, go, go, go. And <laughs> did you, did you teach him that? And mom was like, no. And then she thought for a minute was like, oh. oh, she said, that's what I say to people when they're not moving fast enough. I was like, go, go, go. And he just picked <laughs> it up. Uh, yeah. So, Children are a horrible mirror to look in yeah, sometimes. Which that's pretty, you know, tame. Maggie started saying, what the heck, because apparently I say it, which is like, it's fine. It's not the worst thing a kid could say. But at church one week, she was like, what the heck? And I was like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, they pick up a lot of things. Um, I I remember when Rowan started asking me, are those all my options? (laughs) Because I would give him two options. Like, you know, choice overwhelms us. And yes. Yeah. And then I was like, oh. Oh, uh, okay. uh, well, she repeats to me the things that I say to her. I told her she was not in charge, and um, I forget what else. Oh, and that she needed to change her attitude because she was refusing to get out of the bath. And I said, right now, you're not in charge, and you need to change your attitude. And I wouldn't do something for her that she wanted. She says, Mommy, you're not in charge. Change your attitude. <laughs> I was like, let me, let me lay this to you straight, girly. I am always in charge. Between you and me? I'm always the one in charge, yep, and yep. my attitude could probably do with the change, but you're not allowed to tell yep. me that. Someone else is supposed to. You know who wasn't in charge and thought they were? <laughs> you went with that instead of, you know, who broke the law. Oh. <laughs> okay. I figured that these would be really great uh, segues. Yeah, you're right. No. no, we're sticking with it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, the person who needed to change their attitude, wait, <laughs> is that even what I said? No, it's not. Let's do as many as we can. Okay. <laughs> Our main character this week needed an attitude adjustment, was not in charge, and definitely... Did, definitely broke the law. Yep. <laughs> cool. Great. Our book this week is Heroin by Mindy McGinnis. Yes. With a main character who was not law-abiding. No. Um, and I will point out, the title is spelled with the E, that type of heroine. Mm-hmm. But the picture also leads you to believe it is the other type of heroine. We're going to talk about drugs. Yes. Yes. So if that is at all triggering to you, um, this book is basically about drug addiction. Yeah, it's about so, drugs. So Be forewarned. I guess I should summarize this. Yes, Let's you get should. A summary. Um, high school softball player Mickey 
this is a girl, Mickey, is in a car accident that results in a really bad leg injury. So post-surgery, she has to find a way to hold on to her spot as the catcher for her softball team, which is set for a historic season. They're supposed to do like a really great job. In an attempt to hurry her recovery, she begins to overuse the prescription painkillers that she was given. And then she realizes that She kind of can't do without them, and she falls into a new group of friends who help her feel a sense of belonging with what's going on with her in a way that her softball team can't. Over time, her need for oxycodone to manage the pain becomes a full-blown heroin addiction. Yep. That's a good summary. Okay. This is our first YA novel. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Um... Did you know anything about this book or Mindy McGinnis before I going knew into it? Nothing. Great. Not a thing. All right. I guess I have to predict what you gave it. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, the look on your face says two. Your your <laughs> face is giving me two. I've been told I have a terrible poker face. <laughs> a principal told me that once that I worked for. <laughs> but I didn't give it a two. Really? No. A one? You want to make another guess? Did you give it a one? No. <laughs> I would like five guesses. Okay. I've used I've used my first two. But you know there's point five, so... Oh, got... man. <laughs> we have been doing halvesies. Yeah. Three. I'm still going to go with three. 3.5. Ah, 3.5! That's... 3.5. It was fine. High. Yeah. It was fine. I... And we've gotten to the point, this is our 14th book, so I can kind of judge it against other books. Right. I liked it less than erotic stories. Yeah. More than Project Hail Mary. So 3.5 seemed like... Solid. I I mean, I kind of hemmed and hawed. I was like, oh, it was fine. But I was like, well, I'll go to 3.5. It falls in between those two books. So, yeah. That's That's not bad. As we discussed last week on our pancake scale, that's, you know. Yeah, the content, I appreciate what it's doing. Um, Even if it's not something I particularly enjoy every minute of being in. (laughs) I I was not a fan of the show Breaking Bad. (laughs) So I was like, oh, okay. You don't like anything that's a little too real to life. like Yeah, especially like Breaking Bad situations. Descents into, you know, just bleak hopelessness kind of gets me down. Yeah. Uh, more so in TV than, than books. I will say I'm up for it more in books than te- television needs to be like frothy and just light for me. Yeah, you really hate shows like Parenthood that are uh, about like no real life it stresses me out. I can yeah. deal with that in, like, my literary fiction, but TV is the thing I put on in the background while I Would you like some laundry. trauma with your entertainment? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, it's fine. It's better with a book. I do better with a book. So this this was not um, as terrible as I thought it would be as far as content-wise and, like, how it affected me. It still right. af- definitely affected me, but I think in the right ways. Right. I appreciate what it's doing. Right. Um, the craft was fine. It was serviceable. And, uh, it, it was serviceable and occasionally memorable. <laughs> this is writing. That's, that is what I've got for you. <laughs> so, uh, did you want to say anything else about it before I no get into it? Okay. Um, I guess I'll start out with the cons then. Okay. The things I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, so it's all told like Project Hail Mary from one voice, mm-hmm. a female softball jock. Which you identify with as not. as an athlete yourself. Yeah, I, I wrote, I do not relate. Um, didn't relate in high school. You love the sports ball, right? Uh, no. <laughs> I I played soccer in first grade. I don't think that. And I got bored standing in the field, re-putting my hair up um, over and over again. So, yeah, I didn't. I did play volleyball in middle school. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that sport. But it was so big where I lived like you had to play year round to be good and I was like I no I'm not gonna like give my entire life to this sport right um so I was a theater kid in high school not a, <laughs> not a jock um also I guess this is a con for me it was weird so it's a female softball jock Mickey Catalan and I am not good I'm not a visual person like I am a kinesthetic or audio auditory learner I'm not good at picturing things or like with spatial things this is not good uh, so whenever I read a character description, I just automatically go to someone I've seen. Right. Either in real life or in television or even a drawing, whatever. And I immediately, for some reason, connected this character to a student <laughs> that I have currently in my class. That makes sense. Uh, <laughs> right. I I am in a high school every day. And then it was just weird. <laughs> so I was like... Do you need to talk to anybody, honey? <laughs> I, I wanted to reach out to her and be like, are you... No. 
<laughs> this is this is fiction. Anyway. Do you happen to play softball and have undealt with trauma? It's really weird. It's like I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but like random people pop up in your dreams because you yes. can only create faces in your dreams that you have seen. Right? Yes, and I have the weirdest impulse to tell people when I've dreamed about them, and I'm like, that's weird. Don't tell people. It that. is. It is. But it's just a thing your brain does. Okay, imagine you're a teacher, and sometimes those faces are your students, oh, and then you yeah. see them in class the next day. And you're definitely not going to tell them, hey, you were in my dream. <laughs> yeah, um, that so checks out. It was kind of like that. It was it was weird. But we got over it. I actually told her the other day, I was like, I read this book recently. And I kept thinking of your face as the character because she's, she's a cool kid. <laughs> anyway, um, so the pacing was a bit fast for my taste, which is a common thing that I kind of struggle with with YA is I feel like it goes too fast and blips over some things mm. I would like to have developed more. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, like, Mickey's character. Yeah. <laughs> she's the main character, but I don't feel like she's as fleshed out as I wanted her to be. Like, she has... Her one defining thing is she does softball. And that is her entire identity, which I get how that serves the plot because when she is physically incapable because of this accident she is in, she is driven to then get better at all costs, including an opioid addiction. But there is just nothing else, really, that defines her. She's adopted. She brings that up a lot, but I don't think it really had any point in the plot. Mm, yeah. I mean, you can correct really. me if I'm wrong with it. I don't feel like it was brought up to explain anything about It was just her. like, oh, and by the way, I'm adopted. Oh, yeah. and this was my adopted dad. Oh, hey, I have a new little brother, but he's not really my brother because I'm adopted. <laughs> it, it was just like, oh, okay, you're, you're adopted. Um, and then... She has this anxiety throughout the book. And I was going to ask you about that specifically, Steph, because she she keeps talking about how she has trouble relating to people and coming up with the words to say to people. And that, you know, like on the field, that's easy because that's a language she knows. But in general, in life, she has trouble relating to people. She has this anxiety talking to people. And I just felt like it was really underdeveloped. Like, I couldn't tell throughout the entire book, is this, like, just regular person anxiety? Or does she actually have an anxiety disorder? Is that part of what contributed to her descent into addiction because she had that problem? Or is it just inconsequential? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't fully know how to answer your question. But, like, I, you know that I have anxiety, which I assume is why you're asking me this question. Right. I do... Kyle gets on to me about this. I'm not good at small talk. Like, yes, I, I just, I don't understand it. Kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, though, I have a podcast. I, I can talk, <laughs> yeah. for a long time about something where I speak the language, like you just right. said, something right. that it sounds so selfish. Something that interests me. I'll only talk to you about something that interests me. But it's not that I'm just like bored with it. It's that I do not know what to say and Kyle has brought this up that like if he starts talking about science or something sometimes I'll just not respond it's not that I'm ignoring him I'm looking him in the eye and like hearing what he's saying and in my mind I go what what are the words that you say to that and I I will file through my brain and be like what are the words that you say to that and I was like don't know don't know (laughs) I was I was just confused about the lack of development for Mickey's character with that because it's a real thing. I I got that, but I wanted to know, okay, did this contribute to why she got addicted to Oxy? Because she talks about how when she's with her drug friends, I guess we'll call (laughs) them. Yeah, the drug friends. It's easy to talk. Of course, they're all on drugs (laughs) at the time. But I I don't know. There's a moment at the end of the book where one of her friends who's not on drugs, her one friend that was in the accident with her, asks her, why you? Like, why not me? Because they were both in the same accident. They both got prescribed medication, but her friend did not get addicted, and she did. And Mickey's answer, which I think is a good one in and of itself, is I don't know. Like, there's a lot about addiction we don't know. But just the fact that this anxiety had been brought up the whole time, I was expecting the author to maybe say something about that. That she feels less of that anxiety Mm -hmm. when she's on drugs, and, like, her whole life she's felt uncomfortable in situations that aren't softball. Well, and that might actually be why adoption was brought up so much, because addiction is somewhat, like, genetic. Yeah, I don't really know a lot about it, to be honest. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say anything. I'm I'm pretty sure it's at least some genetic link to addiction. I think there's a lot of um, factors involved. Yeah, lots. Um, But maybe that was part of the reason why it was brought up, you know, the why me. Yeah. I might have extra 
uh, vulnerability to something like addiction. But yeah, I would have thought that that was, if the anxiety is brought up to build her character, I would have thought that the elimination of that anxiety through drugs would be brought up. Yeah. I should not do drugs. <laughs> like, I have thought that to myself, like, you don't need to dabble in anything. <laughs> you don't need to break the law. <laughs> you need way. to go to a doctor and have them give you drugs. Right. You do not need to dabble. Yeah, and, I mean, really, anybody, because you don't know until you know, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you could have an inkling, but... Yeah, so that was just... I just wanted more from Mickey's character, considering we're following her her descent into this very common, too common problem. Yeah. Right? So that was one thing I, that kind of took it down some stars for me. Okay. Then there was the believability element. Now, a lot of the book was pretty believable, seemed pretty typical, high schooler, whatever. Um, but here's the part, the first part that I was like, eh. <laughs> her supplier is a grandma. <laughs> <laughs> her drug dealer makes her chocolate chip cookies the first time she goes <laughs> and buys drugs from her. She happens to overhear Mickey in a in the doctor's office asking for more painkillers and then goes up to her in the parking lot and is like, I think she has a Texas accent, too. <laughs> Which I would like to know what the author yeah. thinks that is, and being she, from Texas. She's just like, honey... Buy you some drugs. Get you some drugs. Come to my house. It's this much. Would you like some homemade bread and some oxy? Yeah, and like she and her friends, Mickey and her friends, hang out at this woman's house, and she makes them dinner, and it's sad, but also I'm like, is this, is this believable? Right. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't. Dabble. Having not purchased drugs from anyone, yeah. I don't know. I mean, later when they buy heroin, the guy, that guy seemed like. You're a heroin dealer. I mean, he wasn't like, well, there were two different ones. The second one was real shady. The first one was like, you seem like a guy who would sell to college kids. Yeah, okay. So that was just, that was weird. I didn't get the grandma drug dealer thing. (laughs) It was funny, but (laughs) took me out of the story. I wonder, I wonder why she chose that. I don't know. Okay, this was a small thing. The Bellas. Do you remember this? No. So Mickey talks about her softball team a lot. There's Mickey, her friend, um... Catalina, mm-hmm. and then uh, there's Lydia, the token lesbian <laughs> softball player, and then everybody else on the team is named Bella. <laughs> They're literally referred to as the Bellas. There are three of them: Bella right, Bella center, Bella left, because that's the field position they play. And she says she gives a reason in the book: it's because their moms were all really into Twilight. <laughs> I was like, okay. I mean, <laughs> it checks out, but like, also, I was like, really? All the other girls on the softball team? I <laughs> had all five. to play softball? I had five Stephanies in my second grade class. Oof, wow. Five. That's nuts. Yeah, it's not even that common a name. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know a woman who's a little younger than my mom. Her name's Kylie because her parents, uh, they were like from Australia or she was born in Australia or something. And she'll tell people, I'm the oldest Kylie you know. Yeah, because <laughs> it yeah. didn't become popular yeah. in the U.S. till later. Lots of kids named Kylie in our anyway, generation. Names are weird. Uh, um, so that was just yeah, Grandma Drug Dealer, all the Bella, Bella Twilight, uh, cool. And then okay, this also bugged me about this book. It only gets brought up twice: once in the middle and once at the end. Mickey, our drug addict, wants to be a PE teacher. Okay, you can't be a teacher <laughs> in a public school system. And have a criminal record. That yeah, has... and the first time it got brought up, she's saying this to a kid she does dr- drugs with. And I'm I'm like, the alarm bells are going off. I'm like, oh, maybe this will be a thing that wakes her up. And he tells her, dude, you can't be a teacher <laughs> and, and have a record. Pretty sure they got rules about that. And no, it didn't get brought up. It got brought up that one time. And then again at the very end... And in general, I liked the ending, but her, like, desire to teach this sport she loves to others is kind of used as a healing element. But I was just like, does she know she can't do this? I don't know. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of every law in every state. I don't know what Ohio's law is, which is where this book takes place. But I was like, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't want to be the one to break it to the recovering heroin addict that she cannot follow her dream. And I was like, I feel like the author should have, like, known this. I don't know. Maybe it seems duh to me because I'm a teacher, but... She actually worked in public schools, so... Oh, okay. I don't know. Then maybe and she should have known. <laughs> different states have different rules. 
Mickey, I don't want to give the whole book away, but I don't think she technically has a record. I Yeah, I don't think that she so. technically does. So maybe it's just, uh, we won't talk about that time I did the heroin. Yeah, but you had to get drug tested and I don't know. It's just, It was just problematic. I was like, honey, you gotta... <laughs> okay. I mean, that's not... That's the least of her problems by the end of the book. But anyway. So yeah, those were my those were my hang-ups. Cool. Those are my cons. Um pros, I really like the ending. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just kind of chugged along through it. It was an easy read, but the ending, I, I think a book that sticks the landing, I think that'll bump it up stars for me. Yeah. Uh definitely contributed to the point five that I gave it. Just like with how I hated uh the ending of They'll Never Learn. This ending elevated it a little bit because it didn't it didn't just brush over all the things that she goes through. Like yeah, it's the hard part. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and there were some review like some one and two star reviews I read that talked about how like oh she didn't focus enough on the hard you know road to recovery. But I didn't see that that was the scope of this book. I felt like yeah, the purpose of this book was to show the descent into the addiction. Yeah. That would have been another book, I feel She like. would have had to add an entire part two. Right. Yeah, th- that wasn't this book. No, I, and I don't think so either. But even with that, even the small amount of pages that are dedicated to what happens after you finally fess up and your family finds out and, and you start that process, it is not easy. It is not painted well. Even, like, her relationship with that one best friend that was in the accident with her, it's... It's not just a, we're going to hug and everything's going to be okay I'll now. stop doing drugs and it'll all go back to no. normal. Like, and it felt very real. And yeah. she even says, like, she's musing to herself and she's like, I don't know what's going to happen to me in 10 years, five years, next month. Like, it's it very much had the, you got to take it a day at a time vibe. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that. Yeah. That felt real. That felt true. Another thing that I liked is that the content it's conveying is important. Like, it's doing a thing that probably needs to be done, and especially for a YA book, showing how somebody can descend into this addiction. Somebody who's like, she's a good student. She's a star athlete. She seemed from the outside like she had it all. She was on her way to a scholarship, and it was her senior year, and they were on their way to win state and all that. Um, But I think McGinnis does a really good job of using her inner dialogue, Mickey's inner dialogue, to show the lies that you tell yourself. Like, we all yeah. know if, you, if you're doing something you shouldn't, you're going to lie to the people around you. Yeah. Even the people you care about. That's a given. But the lies you tell yourself almost have more of an impact. Yeah. And she does a really good job, I think, of, of conveying that. Like, no one in this book set out to be a junkie. Right. That was not the I goal. agree with that. That was one of my big things about yeah. it, too, is the question at the end, why you? It was a really valid question. Yes, like, absolutely. And the answer? I don't know. Yeah. Also really valid of just, like, nobody. Can... Nobody says that. Mickey and one of the other guys, you know, they were in an accident, and that's how it happened. One girl literally is rich and bored. Another guy likes a girl. Like, there's a myriad reasons you could... So I I appreciated getting that inner dialogue of how she rationalizes each step along the way. That's what I feel like this book did really well. I also feel like, I mean, I I don't know how many YA books you've read about drugs, but there's certainly the tendency to, like, glamorize it a little bit. Mm. I I didn't feel like this book in any way glamorized it. No. But also, like, made it seem like this was enjoyable to her. This is why she did it. So it balanced between... You don't understand why anyone would do drugs because it's all bad and making it sound like a good time. It was right in the middle yes. of like, it's a good time while you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and then. Oh, it's... yeah. You're you're right. Because she has fun with her friends. She can loosen up. She doesn't have that anxiety we talked about. But then like you get a scene where she's literally having uncontrollable diarrhea in a porta potty in the middle of a big softball game. Yeah. This is not pretty. That scene was so real. It was so gross. I, like, it was visceral to me. <laughs> it, yeah. It was upsetting. I think the other thing McGinnis does well, especially since this is a YA novel, you know, market, I assume marketed toward, you know, teenagers and older. I think older people could definitely get something out of this book, is the problems with a person's identity and how that gets wrapped up in Mickey's addiction. She identifies herself solely through her ability to play softball. Yeah. And when she can't do that, she is... Right. Completely what wrecked. do you have? And so part of her addiction is 
a replacement of that identity that is no longer available to her. She replaces it with the identity of the drugs. And she doesn't see it as that at first, but it was clear to me, at least, as a 30-something-year-old, that that's what she was doing. Right. And so many teenagers, like, they they cling to that. They want that thing that identifies them, you know? Yeah, and parents can really push kids, yes. like, a sport or an activity, yes. like dance moms like this is what you do and like if you're not multifaceted it's so dangerous you can crack so easily yes and i that is something i feel like i have seen in my job over and over again is when when these kids self-identify with just one thing so hard and so obsessively and you you know they do that like yeah it it can be taken away from them so fast and what fills that void i think that's where a lot of dangerous things happen and, and it I- can like this it was an accident oh yeah. you can think like well i'm not going to do x y or z these things that could take it away it could happen in a split second you, and you don't Absolutely. know like Absolutely. it's just gone um so i i found that that was more subtle like her inner dialogue that part was pretty in your face like i think any teenager would pick up on that i don't know if teenagers would pick up on the identity issues i certainly did and yeah. like that would make for some good like reading group discussions if you did this like it you know as a library reading group my sister does project lit which is a high school library um reading group that's i think nationwide actually they put out like lists uh of books that they do every month and i don't know if this book's ever been on it but i think it would be a good one yeah because i think not only reading this content but also having the opportunity to talk about it and talk about some of those more underlying issues with teenagers would would be a good one. That's my hot take. All right. I I you know, I enjoyed it. It was not like writing that was, you know, glorious or anything yeah. to write home about. Although, I was going to point out one other pro about the writing specifically was the importance of words to Mickey. She doesn't find the words to talk to people. She talks about that a lot and she goes upstairs in her grandma drug dealer's house at one point and finds a dictionary and she makes mention of like this has the key this has everything i need to say to my mom and to say to my friends i just don't know how to use it oh i was like oh and then like mcginnis does that thing where she starts every chapter with a little word and definition that has something to do with the chapter which was fine it was cute. yeah you know it was... it's ya yep so kind of like you mentioned what i really liked about this book was the realisticness. Mm-hmm. Is realism the right word for that or realisticness? Um, uh, realism is fine. Okay. Sure. Um, <laughs> I found Mickey to be a very realistic character. Um, she's a middle class high school student. She's a very good athlete, but not like the best athlete who's like getting drafted to a professional team. Right. She does well in school, but she's like a B student. She right. does fine. She's not, like, doing coke so she can get into Harvard, which is what her parents have always wanted for her because of her family legacy. And she has friends, but she's not, like, the it girl. She's average looking and not in, as I also named the pumpkin spice pipeline, I'm going to (laughs) call this the Katniss Everdeen effect. Oh. She's so average. Look at her with her brown hair and not that skinny body. (laughs) Look how average she is. Except that she has a highly realized skill that's incredibly rare. Intense bravery beyond what one could expect of a 15-year-old. But she's very average. Two men are in love with her. But but she's very average. We keep using that word. I don't think you know what that word means. I don't think it means what you think it means. Yeah, like, the YA heroine is always average and so many books start with like a physical description of the girl and it when she's average she always has brown hair and is not that skinny also speaking of bella like yeah <laughs> average average she's average. so average that a vampire and a werewolf love her <laughs> again i'm so average that two men love me right yeah <laughs> um so i appreciated that she was like actually average she really was there <laughs> like, was no like boys fighting over her yeah there, no <laughs> And, like, a lot of YA books are, you know, the pressure to go to Harvard because you're the top in your class, mm-hmm. whatever, like. Which I think lends itself to the content of the book because it's not, you don't have to be this person in this super high stress, like, pressured situation to want to turn to drugs. Like, right. So I've read other books about drug addiction and. Fiction books? Yeah. Okay. Um, and they're always in circumstances that aren't very relatable. Um. Like, one was about a teenage girl who is, like, really poor, and so she begins to do, like, exotic dancing, and she gets turned on to drugs by people there. I mean, 
in the same way that you don't relate to softball. I don't really <laughs> sure. relate to exotic dancing at six. I can relate to softball more, though. <laughs> like, softball happened at my high school. I think that we all probably can relate to softball more. <laughs> and, like, the pressure with grades and stuff. Like, yeah. a lot of those books, it's like, I'm not like this person at all. Right. And so I really liked that. And she makes choices throughout the book that seem at least semi-logical to her and kind Mm -hmm. of by extension you. It was the first book about addiction where I thought like, oh, that like could have happened to me. Yeah. You know, just one off base choice and here. And it leads to this next one. Yeah. The dominoes begin to fall. And like I grew up in not like my personal home, but in a cultural environment that was very quick to blame people on drugs. Uh, Like... You obviously made such stupid decisions like homelessness, addiction, poverty, abuse were all based on your very poor life choices that clearly led you to this spot. No one like me with my A's and B's and my, you know, first chair marching band could end up like that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's certainly, I think McGinnis does a good job of building empathy. Yeah. And of course, now that I'm grown up, I've you know, been disavowed of this belief Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. um, but especially for younger readers who are still in whatever culture life put them in, uh, they might not realize that like, oh, it's actually really simple to get from point A to point B and look back and go, wait, how did I get over here? Right. And I, until you're so off track that you're like, where the heck am I? And I thought that was really good for a young reader, especially Mm -hmm. who, Hasn't learned that on their own, perhaps, yet. Yeah, I agree with that. Though I don't have any personal experience with heroin addiction, it was clear that a lot of research went into this book to make it realistic. Um, One of the best compliments that McGinnis gets on this book is that recovered addicts say, you got it right. Like, this is is what the experience of taking drugs is like. The feelings... Um, both of taking them and what you experience afterwards, what it's like to recover, which, I mean, you mentioned she doesn't go into the entire recovery process, but the beginning of it that any recovered addict will mm-hmm. identify with, um, the the routines, the, like, the lies that you have to mm-hmm. tell. people, All the secretiveness. Yeah, people have told her that that felt really real, mm-hmm. which I appreciate because if you're going to deal with something important Um, That's happening, like, right now. Yeah, anything like drug addiction or eating disorders or, like, self-harm. I've read a lot of books where it's like, you clearly didn't talk to anybody who's, like, who's done this. And you actually gave a little trigger warning at the beginning of this episode. Mm -hmm. McGinnis talked in an interview that she did about trigger warnings. And so I want to talk to you about that because even even on this podcast, like at the very beginning, we were really careful that we wanted to like essentially give a trigger warning for anything. And then we were like, this doesn't feel necessary anymore. It feels redundant. And so McGinnis has written other books and I've read two other of her books and they deal with intense content. Are they all YA? Yeah. Okay. They're all YA with a female protagonist. Okay. One of them deals with like a mur- like murder Ooh. and sexual assault, and none of her other books come with a trigger warning or a content warning. But at the beginning of this book, it says, this deals with realistic depictions of drug use. Yes, I remember that on the audio. Mm-hmm. And she was asked, like, why this book? Why not, you know, this deals with realistic depictions of sexual assault in your other books and whatever. And I thought that was a really good question. It and is. Like, so... I, I'm interested in the answer. <laughs> Well, and her answer didn't quite answer the question, but I'll read what she said. That's okay. Um, It's not an after-school special with these people doing drugs and immediately hating themselves or puking. They do drugs and love how it makes them feel. I didn't want a recovered addict to read a realistic description of the high of heroin and miss it enough to relapse. So, yeah. Okay. That's different than, like, depicting sexual assault, which you're going to... Any character's probably going to walk away from feeling awful. Right. And that's not something they chose to have happen. It got, I mean, we've already talked about there are reasons people choose drugs, but. I was just curious because uh, as I've talked to you about off air, there have been some books that I felt really should have come with a trigger warning. I had to stop. That's true. There are two separate books in the last six months that I had to stop reading because they depicted like on page and in first person the rape of a child. And I got physically sick. At, like I was listening to this audiobook at work. And just all of a sudden, here I am, and I was like, 
oh my goodness. And I had to stop and I called Kyle crying and I like went outside and threw up. And I was like, I feel like someone should should have told me that that was going to happen. And I was like, even if this never comes up again in this book, I have, I can't take that chance. I have to stop it. Right. And then at the same time, I didn't really need a trigger warning for this book. And, you know, people can get triggered by, I really hate that I'm using that word so much, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I, I'm just wondering yeah. what your we don't have the correct answer to this. No, that's but like what are though. your thoughts about like when it's necessary, when it's not? I don't know. You weren't prepared for this question. I so, wasn't. So, so take I'm, all the time I'm you need. Thinking, but I mean it's a good point you bring up because yeah, you never know what somebody's gonna be triggered by. Yeah. So do we put warnings on everything or how, what is your what is our baseline for judging that? I really didn't even plan to say one at the beginning of this. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, and the book itself had one. So that was probably in the back of my mind. I get her point of what like comparing it to the sexual assault in her other books. You know, that's probably. Hopefully not something that you're in danger of having happen to you again. If it has happened, the trigger there is like your memories. Yeah, not relapsing. Right. This book is because she does realistically depict why Mickey likes these drugs. I mean, you get to the end and you see the, the horror that it brings. Yeah, but in the moment, she enjoys it. She feels good and she right. likes it. And so I guess I get that distinction of like you don't want to make somebody make a choice that they're actively struggling against. Yeah. As opposed to just triggering memories. That makes sense to me. I mean, that's something that's more of a, you know, handing you a bottle knowing you're an alcoholic. Like, right. just don't hand it to me. Don't make me have to make the choice to say no to you. Yeah. And so it's like, are you triggering memories or are you triggering actions mm-hmm. that could further hurt somebody? Which memories hurt, too. Um, yeah. So that could be one distinction we make. Cause, yeah. Yeah, I definitely know people that think we use too many trigger warnings. Nowadays, not us on the podcast, but right. just us in society. I think it was our friend Lauren who mm. mentioned that there's a site. Storygraph. Storygraph. Yes. So if you're the kind of person where you're like, I have several things that might really upset me if I find it in this book, you can go to a place that has all of them, but the books themselves don't necessarily have it. Someone has cataloged, this book mentions this, 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 and this. So if you're not going to be okay, yes. you can yes. avoid that book. But the book itself doesn't mention it. Um, and I know that we specifically made a choice to mention something for our second episode, Razorblade Tears, because there had been a recent shooting yes. dealing with the LGBTQ community, and that book dealt with violence against that community. So I definitely think if there's been, like, a very recent uh, communal trauma... Yes, that um, would be another... Yeah, like a recent event. Um, I like the distinction about, like, a choice that you would make... An action versus a memory. Um, yeah, so mm-hmm. I would think that self-harm and eating disorders would also fall into that, too, though. Right. And I, yes. I, need to, I need to check, but I don't think that the recent books that I've read that contained eating disorders did that. But it's very much an addiction that you, you know. I guess, ultimately, the question you have to ask with trigger warnings is, what is the responsibility of the creator of the content, and what is the responsibility of the consumer of the content? Right. Like... As a consumer, how much are you responsible for researching and looking up before you dive into this piece of media, what's going to be in it? And how much responsibility do you have as the creator to say to people up front, hey, this contains that? Yeah, and I I can see how McGinnis would feel like, I don't want to be responsible for someone turning back to drugs by reading this depiction. But you're never really responsible for someone else's memories. And, like, frankly, That's that true. one's a whole lot more common I think and like I don't know we all walk around the world all day long possibly getting triggered about stuff about sexual assault like that that's just kind of like not to be callous about it but it's probably happening just constantly and like me personally you know since you started by asking me this question at the end of the day like if you as the creator feel the need to provide one like you feel the responsibility I don't see what harm there is in that because sure. if somebody would be triggered by it, maybe they can make safer choices. And if they're not, like... Just when, skip over it. <laughs> yeah, like when you and I... I didn't even remember this book had a trigger warning until you mentioned it because it didn't apply to me, but it also didn't hurt me to hear it. I wasn't, like, put out by it. Yeah, like, ugh. Yeah, I so this had a what, content ha- warning what harm is there? Um, yeah, but especially since you and I had had that t- conversation yeah. several times about this podcast, even, I was like, that's a good question. It is. And I, I'm going to be more engaged now with 
you know, books and podcasts and everything yeah. else about when do people mention it and when do they not. Um, one of the podcasts that we both like, Harry Potter mm. and the Sacred Text. Yes. Um, they provide a lot. They provide a lot, but it's almost always to do with suicide. Oh. When there's mentions of suicide, they say that there's going to be... So I wonder if that's, like, personal to one of the hosts, then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like you said, there are a hundred things, and they can all be different for everybody. So, yeah, just... If you have anything to say on that, you can email us at... For sure. I'll be thinking on this for a while. Yeah. yeah. Like you said. So you can send us a message, um, hatethisbookpod at gmail.com if you have any insight into like when it happens and when it doesn't. And now I'll just be noticing, you know, when do yeah, people use them. And so that was just a... Yeah, thanks for bringing Just a little up. rabbit hole I wanted to go down for a minute. Mm-hmm. It's a It's a good one. I mentioned that McGinnis worked in a public school. Yes, tell me more about that. Yeah, so she had this idea for this book after visiting a school district in Ohio that had been particularly hard hit by the opioid crisis. Okay. And I don't know what the, like, criteria are for a town to be particularly hit, but you know, like, it happens where it's just, like, this one place really, like, everyone got affected by it. And then, you Mm -hmm. know, two towns over, no one. So what is it about these pockets of, do you know were what I mean? They, yeah, like were they targeted by the dealers or is did it they something have a trauma? In, is it something inherently about them? I don't know. It's weird. But yeah, there's there was one in Texas and they made a movie about it. And this was 30 minutes from where I lived. Plano, Texas had like a huge opioid crisis. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, 10 minutes down the road, we don't have one. Like what? Anyway. Weird. So this particular town in Ohio was very hard hit. There was a saying in the town that you either worked for the government, the school, or the hospital, or you dealt drugs. Oh, that's that's encouraging. The, those are the <laughs> A, B, C, or D. Those oh. are the those are the choices. Uh, um, if you don't know, pick C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So McGinnis worked for 14 years as a librarian in a public school system. Okay. So she's well acquainted with not only the world of public school, which this Mm -hmm. takes place, you know, but also with the kind of books that are available and the kind of books that are not. And so one of the things that she noticed, she was a high school softball player. One of the things that she noticed is that in YA, if the main character is into sports, they're a boy. There's That's not true. a whole lot of books dealing with female athletes. That's true. Um, and so as a female athlete, she was like, this is, I mean, Title IX, you literally have to have as many female <laughs> right. athletes as men. So it's not like, well, that doesn't impact them. There are just as many female athletes in the school as yes. there are boys. I mean, pretty much. And so, like, why? Why no books like that? Um, and so she specifically noticed, you know, the kinds of students she was seeing. And you can kind of tell when a kid's an athlete, you know, they have, mm-hmm. like, their equipment with them in the library oh, yes. and whatever. Like, if you, if you are their first period teacher, they ask you if they can keep their stuff in the corner of your room. Yes. Yeah, like, until the end of the you day. can spot them. You can spot them. <laughs> yep. And she was like, there are not books about these kids. And, and I no. was one of these kids, and there's not books about them. And so she combined this town she had just visited in Ohio with lack of female athlete representation and then unfortunately those two went really well together they do an athlete recovering from something i don't think that's all that uncommon i would venture to guess that it's happened to several people that you know recovering from a sports injury everywhere from high school to i mean like famous world famous athletes yeah um and i i thought that was a very believable like she didn't choose at a party well, I'll just do it this one. You know, the way that you think people get into drugs is, like, recreationally. Yeah. She was injured, had to take pain medicine. She was literally in pain, yes. Yeah, like, it, had surgery. and Had took, three screws in her hip. Ooh. Yeah, and was prescribed medicine and took it according to how she was supposed to take it until she didn't. Right. And I was like, man, that's, like, such a average high school kid thing to do is like not even make the choice to get started and like Mm -hmm. you're already on that trajectory before you even realize you know that you've made a choice which I believe is why people are being a lot people physicians are being a lot more careful with prescribing that for pain even though like you don't want your patients to be in pain but right it's a tricky situation I would not want to be a doctor no um 
So they're really that's really all I had about McGinnis, but I wanted to tell you that yeah. she was a librarian in a public school. And that's uh, really cool. And I, pre- I always appreciate when I learn that creators have made something when they've recognized a lack. Yeah. So I, I appreciate her filling that hole. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and the only other thing I have to say is that the first line of this book to me was a stunner. Oh, go. Yes. When I wake up, all of my friends are dead. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's a good first line for a book. Mm-hmm. But I also, why does she start with that? <laughs> like, I, okay, this was a con I didn't bring up. In general, the plot unfolded very nicely. But, like, you start with that. All three of her friends, the three friends that she made through drugs, are dead in the first chapter. And they are named. Because I went back while I was reading to look. I was like, did she say that but, like, didn't give us our name so we're yeah. not sure? So essentially she no. spoils her own book. She definitely does. Like, she tells you up front, these three people are dead. And then and then you go back to the accident. Yeah. And you slowly meet those three people that you know are going to die. Like, this is not a spoiler, listeners. You know. Yeah. And so you're like, why? Why does she do that? And then when it gets to that point in the book, it's just like a chapter skip. They all take the drugs. And then the next chapter, Mickey's driving away from the house and they're dead. Yeah. Because you already got that chapter, right? She didn't need to give it to you again. Yeah. Why did she do that? I don't know. Because, I mean, as a thriller writer, I do get it. Like, a lot of thriller... I mean, this is not a thriller necessarily, but it has that element of, like... Mm -hmm. I mean, prologues are especially prevalent in thrillers. It's like, I'm going to give you... To, like, catch you. Yeah, I'm going to give you a teaser of the exciting bit. Someone standing over a body covered in blood... Six months earlier. Right, like, right. That happens a lot. And so, like, it hooks you, but then also it does kind of take away from the, like... Climax? Yeah, the climax of finding them all. Because I definitely think if you were to chart this plot, that's the climax. Yeah, for sure. That is interesting. I I do think that most thrillers do it in a way where you're like, I know somebody died, but who did it? Right. Or, like, or who is dead? That's why I went back or to see like, if they were named. I know somebody's holding the gun, but who's holding the gun? So, yeah, that is interesting. So I, I thought it was weird, and there were a lot of one-star reviews that pointed this out as, like, why did she do this? Yeah. So I, I thought about this, but the more I think about it, I think it's smart. Mm, okay. Because that's not what this book is about. And that would have been what it was about. Right. Like, we're not trying to be like, who's going to die? It's like, you know, from the beginning, like, this is real life. This is going to kill her friends. And you still don't know whether or not it kills her at that point, because she just drives away and that's all you get. Yeah. Like, does she crash again? I think that's interesting. That isn't what the book is supposed to be about. So she's just, like, taking that element away from you, like, from page one, just like, this is not what we're focusing on. It's how did we get here? Yeah. And it is sad. More so, when you meet these three yeah, characters... Yeah, you're like, I know you're gonna die. Yeah, you know what's gonna happen to them. Um, so I, at, the, at first I was like, yeah, that's weird. But the more I've thought about it, I'm like, I see what you're doing. I stand, I stand by it. I yeah. like it. I, I thought it was ultimately a good choice the more I thought about it. It was, uh, on the surface, I was like, nah, that's weird. But I'm behind it. Yeah. So, Well, do you want me to read some other one-star reviews? I do. I will tell you, this had probably the fewest reviews in general of any of the books. Now you know how I feel. Yeah, I read... (laughs) I have never before now read all the one-star reviews. But Uh I read all the one-star reviews and none of them were good. (laughs) So I'm going to call this one-ish. One-ish. Because one of these in particular... These are all two-star, but one in particular said, I'm 1.5, rounded up. Okay, that still counts. That still counts. Um, This first one... I guess is Rach. Okay. R8. Rach? Yeah, from Rach. (laughs) 1.5, rounded up for the sake that her writing... The writing is easy. Easy to blast through the pages. You want to start over? (laughs) 1.5, rounded up for the sake that her writing is easy to blast through the pages. Here's the plot. Car crash. Hurts leg. Slash hip before softball. Addicted to pills. Addicted to heroin. The end. Cut and dry. Super cut and dry. Which is disappointing because there are so many opportunities and routes this could have taken. Oh, well. It's not entirely wrong. It's not entirely (laughs) wrong, but... Yeah. Um, The next one was the more funny one. Okay. From Maddie Max. When I wake up, all my friends are dead. Uh Uh-huh. Quoting that first line. I have no words. Simply because I'm freaking tired today. Not because this book was mesmerizing. (laughs) 
heroine is not the kind of novel I like to read, and now I remember why. And while there are things I liked, Mindy McGinnis's writing style, for example, there were other things I didn't like, like how painful reading this was both because of how hard the story was and because it's not my usual kind of read. I'm not much into realistic fictions. I like to forget reality exists, and especially when it's kind of... It's this kind of reality. I found this book quite interesting on some levels because curiosity, but I had a hard time truly liking heroin. Doreen. It was dot, 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 enlightening. <laughs> that's, it. that's it. I wonder if Doreen is going to go do drugs. I, I hope not. <laughs> uh, although, or deal them, because it oh. kind of sounds like a grandma name. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> we didn't talk about grandma drug dealer. I don't she know is, what else there is to say. She's so pathetic. She's re- she is really sad in her own right. Yeah. Yeah, but I was like, I didn't have a whole lot of empathy for her. Like, I was like, you're sad, and I hate you for it a little bit. Like, yeah, everyone in the book is a little sad, but her, yeah, you she's can't, got her. It's own very issues. like I can't find any friends my own age, so I'm gonna deal drugs to kids. Join a knitting circle. Yeah, I got really Do mad. Do puzzles. I don't know. I got really mad at her because, honestly, if she hadn't been there at that doctor's office, Mickey would have probably been fine. She didn't know how to access drugs. Yeah. She wasn't so far gone yet that she was going to go out of her way, I don't think, to do something, you know, that She might have had to go back to her doctor and be like, listen, this really is not getting better. She might have right. started popping way too much Advil. Right. Like, uh, but it was, I was just so mad because I that was definitely... It was a slow, like, descent in some ways with all the inner dialogue that Mickey has. But then also there were specific turning points. And that was for sure the first big one. And I was so mad. I was like, Grandma! It was just sad. Lesson of the book, don't do drugs. And if you're a grandma, bake cookies without the heroin. Don't steal medicine from the old people you drive around town. Yeah. Like, if you need friends, there's got to be a book club or a local coffee shop. Yeah. Just try something else. Don't deal drugs. Don't do drugs. The end. Yep. That's that's all we got for you, I guess. (laughs) Sure. Um, So next week... Ooh, tell me. I have assigned Stephanie to read a Stephen King novel, which is, yeah, uh, I just, I felt like I could assign it for this podcast no matter what the content, just based on the fact it was Stephen King. It's Stephen King. Um, So I assigned her another first in a longer series, not quite as long as the Legend of Drizzt books. (laughs) This is only a seven book series, um, The Dark Tower. So it starts out with The Gunslinger, book one. That is what I assigned her. And I'm going to go on air right now saying I am in no way affiliated with the movie. Don't ever watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Trigger warning. That movie's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, tune in next week for The Gunslinger. Thank you for listening to You Might Hate This Book. Join us again next week for more discussion of the books we love. And the books we hate. You can help others find this podcast by leaving us a review and a five-star rating. And don't forget to hit subscribe. You can offer additional support and earn cool perks by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash hatethisbookpod. Special thanks to Montague Workshop. See you next week. Mickey she does too. Turn on Mickey. Like she's not even yes. a good drug grandma. No.